Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I'm the Gnarly Gnome. This is Sensi Brewcast. It's the voice of Sensi Craft. Uh, I know that you guys had a show last week, uh, but this is the first time for me back kind of behind the microphones recording this thing, trying to remember how to make a podcast. And um, already things didn't work the way we were supposed to. And now I'm all concerned that I've done something wrong and none of this is actually recording. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to do anything anymore. That is kind of the story of my life. And uh, hopefully I talked about all of that last week when we had a show and kind of explained why the gnome had to die for a little bit. But uh, I'm back and I cannot think of a better way to kick off uh, volume nine. They're not seasons because when we started the show, um, Mike uh, Cisneros, he said that I kind of wanted to be like comic books where we have these volumes with episodes and I just still do it. So it's, it's volume, volume nine, episode one, uh, Michael Amon from uh, Adina. Welcome right. back to the show. We uh, haven't had a chance. Well, it's not entirely true that we haven't had a chance to sit down since <laughs> October. I've seen you more this week than uh, I think I told you the other day than I've seen my wife. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's But crazy. you know what? Uh, uh, your face is uh, much happier and doesn't yell at me nearly as much as my wife does. <laughs> not, not, not yet, at least, I guess. We'll, we'll see. We got to start things off uh, with a beer because it is still a craft beer podcast after all. Um, we have a lot of things to talk about today. And um, uh, yeah. d- d- how? <laughs> Let's start with the beer. <laughs> start with the beer because I, I have questions right off the bat. <laughs> so, so this is Hophead from Listerman. It is their new year-round IPA. I guess you can't quite say it's a year round because this is only the second batch. I had it. This was just uh, brewed um, about seven days ago. So this is. Oh, uh, I got way more than you. That's all right. Huh. This this is. Um, how does that math work out? How does a sixteen ounce can? Do I don't know that. <laughs> these, these must be cheater pints. <laughs> Randy <laughs> doesn't make any sense. I'm pretty sure you just poured 36 ounces out of a 16 ounce can. I don't. Uh, yeah, it just was. I filled up half a pint glass, and then I filled up three quarters of a pint glass, and there's barely any foam. So there you go. That's what's so great about this hophead. It's an imperial pint and 16 ounces of of, uh, of a can. Let's let's start with a quick little Listerman mm-hmm. discussion because I've yes. talked about them a lot, kind of on my show and and other shows that have been on in in recent past. Uh, they they sold, um, yes, uh, which I guess is uh, a fun topic for the show. Mm-hmm. But um, they, uh, I think. <laughs> I think they freaked out a few people kind of locally when, right. when that happened. People didn't know how to handle that. People don't uh, always understand what that means for a business when, when something like that happens. Uh, I was kind of, when I, when I wrote about it, I, I wanted to be very clear that I don't think that that's who Listerman, not that Dan Listerman isn't a part of Listerman. Even, he's on the can. Uh, he's kind of on the can. It's a, a hophead guy, and Dan is he's not a hophead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's like he was like bitten by the Last of Us zombies, yeah, now, so. <laughs> but it's like a hop instead of fungus, and now he's been transformed. But this this idea that uh, this this company that's been around for a long time here in Cincinnati, that mm-hmm. a big part of their personality comes from Dan and his personality. That's people don't know how to kind of handle that uh, that switch. 
with that change or that evolution of, of a company like that. Uh, what are your thoughts on it? Obviously you guys, you guys, you guys know them from a beer perspective, you know yeah. them from a, from kind of a, a, a deeper kind of, if you can say uh, business perspective. If we're two businesses could. that work together. <laughs> we could say uh, yeah, that. But. I mean, for me, uh, it's been, um, I think I already, this is probably the second time I've spoken for Listerman without, uh, saying it, they don't know that I'm on the podcast talking about them, but uh, I think I'm within the bounds of saying that our relationship with Listerman hasn't fundamentally changed. Um, Terry and Greg have been fantastic to to work with every time I've met them. I live in Norwood, so I go there all the time anyway. Right. Uh, they see me. Um, so we've, we have a great relationship with them. We can go into kind of how that relationship is going to continue. Um, but if in effect, not nothing has really changed. You don't. You didn't have any um, turnover on the staff when it came to the production side or anything like that. I mean, they were. There's nothing. Nothing major has really changed with Listerman. A lot of the plans that they had are still going. So I mean, I don't want to say nothing is going to change. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, but I mean, I, I, I honestly don't. I honestly don't think that. Like you've alluded to, and I think we've talked about before. You know, much of what made Listerman great was. Um, that, that it was a, it was you know in effect it was a platform for a lot of people right. who were doing great things in the industry uh, in other places. Yeah. At the same time we're talking and, about. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like trying to not say platform, but just it was just like eh, that is a great. But you, I mean, a vessel, a a a launching pad. Sure. And you could see how they did reinvent themselves several times uh, already, and yeah, I think this version of Listerman has. You know, it was already well underway, and the ownership change has not been a major, has not really been, you couldn't, if you went back and looked, like, when did Listerman sell, when did the Listerman sell to uh, Terry and Greg? I don't think you'd be able to find that point in history. Well, it, well, we'll see, we'll see. I mean, I really, I really don't know, but I mean, as far, I mean, it's, it's for me, it, 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 it's always a scary thing when that happens. Um, but everything, you know, everything has been full speed ahead. Well, and it's it's you know it's not fair to say that Listerman won't change because over time, of, of course they will. And mm -hmm. uh, you know, when a, any kind, anytime somebody comes in and 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 uh, takes over a company or buys a company, like there are things that are going to change, uh, usually for the better. I mean, obviously we've seen some horror stories from very large breweries buying smaller breweries where things don't always oh. change for the better. But this is yeah, this I mean, is a very different story than that. And, yeah, and I think that um, I think this is what should happen. Uh, it, it makes sense. I mean, Terry and Greg were they? It's they said they were trying to start a brewery. Yeah. Realized how bad an idea that would be um, for a variety of reasons, and instead chose uh, one that has has an as a successful brand and has been doing well. But just the owners were at retirement age. I mean, Dan was already retired for a couple of years. I mean, I don't think that's a secret. No, I mean, and, and we've, you know, if you've been paying attention, you've seen Dan over, over pretty much the entire history of Listerman being a brewery of him, like slowly stepping back. And there's been kind of periods in time where he steps in a little more versus mm -hmm. others. But, uh, overall, like it's this, it's, it's him wanting to take a step back from all of this and wanting to have more time to kind of just relax and uh, hang out and, and, and drink beer and, and, and be damn Listerman. Yeah. And, you know, like it, uh, this is just the next step in that kind of evolution of, of them and of the brewery. And, um, I don't know. I, I, maybe I think people kind of 
hopefully people are kind of starting to get that now. Yeah, and, and I think yeah, I think that um, yeah, to me, I mean, there was uh, you know when we came in, that was a time just to be frank of of I think greater uh, change and sure. kind of ups and downs that that we were we were kind of a part of that, and you know that's not something that. It wasn't all positive, that some of the changes that were going on, but I think that they've really, that's been, from that point, that's where the new team has really kind of stepped in, and now you have, I mean, you can see the glass in front of you. I mean, this is as good of, a, of an IPA as, as Listerman has made. It's, it's great, and, like, and, that, and that's, you know, obviously, you, you said there's not really a turnover on production side. Like, it's the same people making the same beer. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, uh, um, of course, it's good. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> of my, my primary contact John Volman. He was uh, he was the general manager before and after. You know, his in his becoming a, the general manager was kind of following that period of a little bit of turnover, and we were kind of we kind of came in at that time to be a solution for, you know, the fact that they didn't yeah. really have a, a sales team. My my only gripe is I don't think the likeness of Dan Listerman should be on any of the labels that are a beer like this versus. <laughs> it just looks so good though. It unfortunately, is, it is such beautiful artwork. Uh, it is you know the signature Dan Listerman with the suspenders. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm assuming there's a monocle on that hop. There is a monocle. Yeah, of course yeah. there is. Like it's just you know it's it is uh, uh it is it is. No, Dan. I, I agree that it probably should be like a instead of a hop, but like just like a charred charcoal briquette, <laughs> you know, and just like. <laughs> the smokiest beer right. possible. Right. But which, he's got he's got fryer bacon. Which, and which even that, like, you know, fryer bacon is not going anywhere. Like there no. is no way that they will stop it's making fryer right bacon. Uh, well this is this is probably the last version of that recipe. I imagine they'll tweak it a little bit. Uh, it already, next year. I mean, this, this, <laughs> this year's was already pretty tweaked. It was last year's was Dan loved it. <laughs> <laughs> I I, uh, I love uh, fryer bacon is is far from my favorite smoked beer in the world. Uh, I, I will drink it just because of kind of the personality behind it and mm-hmm. the, the story behind it. But um, I love that. Uh, I, I, I love I that love, it exists. Yeah, I love the like black dark roasty coffee. I love very peaty scotch. Fryer bacon is absolutely insane. <laughs> The, the, this year's is not is not like uh, years previous. So I, I don't I think I've tried it this year. Yeah. It's, uh, it's not quite. It's not quite the uh, the palate destroyer. I'm just noticing that my camera has for some reason shut off. Oh no, that's all right. Yours is still you recording. Can, so you can stay anonymous. Sorry. I guess. Sorry, I guess it's always something going yeah. wrong. Um, let's talk about you guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, recently, mm-hmm. um, the reason that uh, and and you can go into this as deep as, as you want to or are able to right now. Uh, the reason that, uh, that we started chatting kind of mm-hmm. this week, um, I was doing some shopping. I was at uh, a, a place and mm-hmm. I was having a beer and uh, somebody asked me, Hey, you know, what's, what's going on with Adina? And I said, what do you mean? Cause this is in the middle of kind of my, uh, short little period here where I've not really been doing anything. I've mm-hmm. been kind of just, um, dad and doing some behind the scenes stuff. And this person said, oh, I heard they sold. I heard, I heard, I heard Michael sold the company. <laughs> They're gone. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, we're, we're not gone. No, um, no, this, this is kind of an exit interview. You know, this is kind of the end of, this is the end of an era for sure. It is. It's, I, I don't want to call it an end of something or an exit or anything like that. Like it is, it's, it, there is still a, a life that is happening right. to this. But. So, so yeah, we are, we are merging with another, another distributor. Um, and, uh, I will be part owner of that new entity, but, uh, Adina itself will, uh, be going away. So we will not be covering, 
we will not be covering the brands that we have with our name. It will be a new name. Right. Um, and so, in, but we are keeping, uh, our sales staff is staying on. Many of our brands are staying on. Some of them are not. Uh, but most are. And we should have uh, some con- con- continuation of, of services. You know, many people will be staying in their same roles. But uh, yeah, we will. De- we will be. This company will be. Um, you know, effectively no more. We'll be winding down uh, Adina Beer Company LLC as as an entity. How does that make you feel? Uh, it's it's. Inter- I mean, like in a lot of ways, relieved. I mean, we had. I mean, we say we, but I mean, a lot of times it has been. You know, the company has been me. <laughs> you know, we've right. had tons of help. Um, we've had you know a lot of great employees. Our suppliers have been great. I did start with a business partner, but you know, at the end of the day, there's a lot of things that that only I can be a part of. And you know, the, that list did not get shorter the longer we were in business. So it'll be nice to to take a step back. Well, and the, and the I, I shouldn't say take a step back, but it'll be nice to kind of to have stuff taken off my shoulders. Well, I think that's the, like you know, it's you can have people helping you when you're starting something like this as much as you want, but uh, at the end of the day there are things that pile on to the shoulders of somebody starting a business that are different than employees or friends that are helping or things like mm-hmm. that. Not that, not that there isn't stress from, from people that work, you know, inside the company, but, um, there are definitely way more sleepless nights and, uh, uh, stressful <laughs> things that kind of fall mm-hmm. on you as somebody starting something like this and to be able to find a way to kind of shift some of that, I think is, uh, no, and, and I think that's and I think that's a huge part of of, of craft beer in general because there is so many small businesses, whether it's you know bars and restaurants, bottle shops, uh, breweries, as I'm, I'm sure we'll get into later. But uh, and not many distributors, but there are some small distributors. You, you you look around, and when I started in 2018, we had in the kind of the tri-state area there was Dauntless, there was Starlight, there was Seventeen Star, there was Ohio Beer Company. All those guys are gone. And, um, you know, and not really very dignified fates either, if I'm right. being frank. Um, so to having the opportunity to kind of to, to take what has been, you know, some success and, and take it to the next level with, with a new partner is, is a tremendous opportunity. And that was something that just I could not, I could not pass up. It's a unique opportunity because this distributor is coming into the state. Right. And so they were either going to be our competitors or now our purchasers. And it's, it's different than one of those kind of big evil, uh, entities coming in and kind yeah. of consuming things. Yeah, and, they're and, not and, big. And there's, so hopefully there's, they're not evil. There's some, hopefully <laughs> you never know. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of kind of parallels you can draw between, uh, breweries that have sold to other places. I mean, there's, there's a, a massive difference between a, a place like Listerman, like we were just talking about mm-hmm. selling to a couple who wanted to start a brewery and they, you know, loved Listerman for what they were doing and kind of came in and, and, uh, uh, you know, purchased them and, and, and kind of found this way to continue this, this, this personality and this thing that Listerman is, mm-hmm. um, and give it kind of new life and kind of give it that boost that it needed yeah. versus a, you know, a, a massive place like, you know, well, just for the uh, sake of argument, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll say Anheuser-Busch coming in and purchasing a, purchasing a place like platform and yeah, consuming them. Exactly. And then within <laughs> a couple of years, just beating it to death and mm-hmm. stripping every ounce of life out of it and, uh, <laughs> turning it into, 
three beers that <laughs> are now yeah. being brewed who knows where yeah there's, there's a difference between those two different mm-hmm. ideas and this to me is 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 similar to that of uh somebody coming in that uh in a lot of ways um a lot of ways kind of following that same kind of uh, ethos and that same personality and that same mindset that that adina did from the yeah. beginning and continuing it on, kind of giving, giving it uh, almost a, a new boost and a new life to, to to what it is. Yeah, and you know, I mean, versus they, somebody else. Yeah, and I think, and it, and it also, you know, I'd looked at a couple different things. Um, there wasn't a ton of great options on the table. Um, you know, we were. I it was, it was a lot of a lot of it was a personal decision. Uh, just for me, it'd been, you know, four and a half years. It'd been, it'd been pretty long when it came to. You know, I, I felt a, a ton of energy still, and still do, and and this is a reinvigoration for sure. But um, you know, I just remember last fall looking, just looking around and just thinking, like, you know, this isn't going to get bigger without some major change. Sure. And if it doesn't get bigger, it's not going to get better for me. And that was that was basically the impetus behind. You know, I, and I actually had been approached with by another distributor. Um, also in state uh that you know was was looking for this is similar thing um and uh that just didn't work out but uh the um i was you know I, i'd also had thought there was another out-of-state distributor that i'd been looking at but uh you know nothing really felt right and again like we weren't you know we weren't about to go to out of business or anything like that you know we still had money in the, the, in the bank we still had you know stuff was still selling i mean this first this was our best q1 by about, it was a 19% sales growth. And so it wasn't as if we were falling apart or anything like that. And if for, but for me, it was just kind of, you know, 19% of, you know, growth is not going to be, you're not going to get to where, and that, that's right. a, it's going to take a long time to get to, to kind of to profitability and to, to a play. I mean, actually we were profitable last year as my accountant told me. So <laughs> sometimes <laughs> so, it doesn't feel like it. <laughs> <laughs> so like we were, it was just, I was like, so I owe, so I owe more money. <laughs> but, um, the, um, but we, uh, and, uh, so, but we, yeah, we, it was, it was, you know, we've, we've picked up a lot of great brands, but it's, it's tough to, um, it's tough to keep that going. And, um, we were, I felt like we were, we're still in a pretty decent spot and I still felt like we had the right people in place. But, um, at the end of the day, you know, it's, it takes a lot to make a new business work for the business owner. And I think that's where we, I was very lucky to kind of, to take, you know, and just, I had some very frank conversations. It's just, you know, like, I don't really feel like I'm falling apart here. I don't feel like this has to happen, but I feel that it's, you know, so it'll, it'll save me some a, years, you know, it's a smart thing to do. Yeah. Because you don't want to, I mean, yeah, I'm 36 right now to, if I, if I had a couple more of my prime earning years, you know, be not prime earning years, right. it was, you know, you, it gets, it kind of get, you start to, I mean, it's not like I'm going to be retiring anytime soon, but it's definitely not going to be retiring anytime soon. If I keep kind of just scraping away at, um, as, as a, as a, you know, small business owner. So, you know, basically operating by myself. As is the sole owner, you know what I mean? Right. Um, but I mean, if you, you know, I don't think that there's really, you know, a lot to be feel. I, it was a tough road, but um, I don't think it was like necessarily like the worst. We've never really had like a time where I was like, fuck, this is it. We're right. Dead. Do you think, so when you, uh, I think back to kind of the, one of those first times that we sat down and we talked about kind of what Adina was and, mm-hmm. you know, it was the first kind of 
distributor that had started here in Cincinnati since early nineties. Like it was this, it was this, uh, this kind of, um, uh, startup craft kind of personality of a distributor that, that, that didn't exist for a long time before, mm-hmm. before that. Um, you can see why. You, <laughs> well, I mean, do you, yeah. like, do you think like if you were talking to somebody, uh, today, somebody, mm-hmm. somebody came up to you that was from a different city. We'll, we'll yeah. say not from Cincinnati. We'll because say obviously, Topeka, Kansas. How about <laughs> that? Perfect. Yeah. Is Topeka, Kansas, or a, a, a similar type of uh, beer market? Not, <laughs> not quite. I don't, I don't think <laughs> so. I don't believe so. so. We'll pick an imaginary city. <laughs> but, and they're <laughs> yeah. coming up to like, man, I've got this idea. I saw what you guys did here. Uh, I want to start a, uh, a small distributor here. Like, would you... What would your advice be? Or would you no, just... I mean, definitely don't do it. I mean, it's a, it's not a, this is not a good time to start a business, uh, especially not in craft beer. I don't think that would be... And it's just because... I mean, it's just... Unless there's really isn't... I mean, they could also distribute, entire, like, seltzers and... <laughs> you really can't, though. I mean, like, that's... I mean, I, I mean I'll just be honest. We... I thought until like a week ago that I was the most recent B1 license holder in Hamilton County. I did find out there was someone else who had started recently, um, but it was a, it was a different kind of thing. They, okay. had, they had an established um, they had an established distributorship of other things, and they just have been trying to add alcohol. Gotcha, to, gotcha, gotcha. And um, the uh, and but even that does that's not count. Been, <laughs> that's been, well, that had been a t- bunch of uh, he's he's had a bunch of challenges as far as and he hasn't added any beer yet. Um, and uh, just because there's not the way it works is you can't, it's just, you have to have brands to sell, but right. a lot of brands aren't going to go to a place that doesn't have any brands. So it's just the way people want, the way breweries want to work is that they want to work with someone who is established, who has the connections, has that stuff. And so it was, it was a challenge for us in the first year to, so to get anyone who would really, you know, we had to rely on the Kentucky brands because they, we, they had a reason to not have a distributor in state already because it, you know even then you know they were not big 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 breweries right. they were you know small craft breweries so do you think that um i mean let's 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 kind of go back to that so mm-hmm. you guys when you started it was at this period where there was a uh, i guess like a little little pop a little influx of northern kentucky breweries that were opening up that mm-hmm. um maybe some of the other big guys in town just didn't want to kind of fuss with yeah they, or, there wasn't really i mean it was alexandria wooden cask and uh darkness. darkness and i mean darkness was essentially i mean it was incredibly small alexandria had just opened up and uh you know wooden cask was really the main one who was like i built this brewery to sell beer and distro, uh, did not realize no one was going to pick us up right. uh, across the river. So whenever you guys open up, yep, yeah, we'll go with you guys. Um, and so they were, they were the main motivator. Um, and the other two just kind of came, I mean, just basically were like, yeah, it sounds nice. We can get into beer fest. We can get into some bars and restaurants. That'll right. be fun. Um, but yeah, Wooden Cask was the major one. And, you know, they were the first, they were the only packaged brewery we had for like a month and a half or something like that until we started adding some other breweries that didn't end up even doing that much. So anyway. What was the, uh, St. St. Arnold's? Oh, St. Arnold. Yeah, that was, they were from Kentucky as well. They were a little different. Um, and they, yeah, nearly destroyed a reputation before we had a chance to, uh, to build it when they, uh, That's it a whole show out. within I mean, itself. Again, it's they, but it's again, just, it's one guy. Well, yeah. It wasn't even like the, the brewery themselves yeah. did something. I mean, it was just one guy wrong. It was, it was just a scam artist. <laughs> 
so and fascinating. These poor people who had a farm. Who, who, who wrote that article? Was it? Uh, was it was it Kentucky Dave? Sports News. It was also in uh, in uh, I think it was Kentucky Sports Journal or something like that. And but it was in Paste Magazine. Did an article kind of connecting the dots. It's it's, yeah. it's a fascinating yeah. read. If anybody doesn't know what we're talking about, I'll link it in I'll the put show a, notes. Put a link in the show that notes. Is, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, when that article came out, I was just like, "We're fucked." Like, no, everyone's going to think of it. This is what we're, this is what we're going to be known as is well, the guys who brought this in. And we only brought in for one. We only brought in for one order. And like, I, the, the, and the guy I, seemed like a scam artist. The beer that I had though, like, wasn't it wasn't bad. Like, it was the the beer was fine. I gave it you was, the good one. The other two were not good. <laughs> okay, well, you didn't tell me that. <laughs> one of them was one of them was good just sure through sheer dumb luck right one tasted fine kind of weird but then that got really bad and then one was just stupid it was a old it was just an old imperial milkshake ipa in a bottle that had never been refrigerated it was so bad and like i didn't even want to pick that one up and he still tried to sell it to me so he picked up a handful of cases um, but no, he was, he was a scumbag. I mean, like, I mean, it wasn't, I don't know. Like, I was like, man, how does he, he just has a way about him? Like, no, he doesn't. He seemed like a fucking weirdo. It's, it's, it's like- so, <laughs> it is so, and, and, and there's a lot of, there's, there are probably way more stories like that in craft beer than people really want to talk about. If people well, I that think that that's, that's, just an, kind that's of, an extreme, but yeah, I think that's, that are kind of yeah. bouncing around or floating around and aren't really great at what they do. Aren't. Uh, we can we can we can go yeah. down a couple rabbit holes there. That we no, I, I think I think that basically you know expertise is hard to come by, and people end up. I don't know yeah. that that's true. I th- I don't think that it's hard to find people that have expertise. I well, just formal training, I guess. I just think maybe people, professional people don't experience want to pay for it sometimes too. Like that's, that's, that's a problem. That's definitely a problem. But I think it is they, it reinforces itself, and I think that as the industry contracts and as, as you know people get farther and farther from where they need to go, I think that that's only going to be exacerbated. But I also mean that like I mean, you look at like coaching trees and stuff like that. You know how how few people are have been in breweries that have operated with right. a full staff. You know, had education, safety training. You know, under you know labs, that right, kind of thing, right. like the real, real stuff that they work with. I mean, a lot of it is just kind of home brewers on, um, you know, equipment, and then they train people to work on that. <laughs> you know, just, well, you know what I'm saying? And sometimes it works. It's kind of fun how how much people have been able to self teach themselves. And some some breweries, that's how they start, and that's phenomenal. But I mean. Well, I, and, I, and I'm starting to see now too. Like, there's a lot of those people that have been in the industry for a while that kind of grow along that path and end up somewhere, and then just kind of get fed up with the industry or or the, the money or whatever it is, and then just like, all right, I'm out. I'm going to mm-hmm. entirely different industry. That yes, maybe the the background still carries over, but like, I'm just I'm, I'm out of beer. I, yeah. I can't. And then like, you've, so now one of those people that was one of those people that kind of has kind of seen these different sides of the business and these different levels of the business is just gone. Yeah, <laughs> it's like which to- which does happen, but I mean, especially if you're not if people aren't able to afford. And I think that people can get priced out of the uh, of the industry too, yeah. where you basically you're too experienced, you're too qualified, and then that's it. You know, it's, I mean, I don't, that's. Um, but yeah, anyway, us <laughs> we were yeah. So that, I mean, so that was when we got when we got our start. Um, there was kind of the idea that we were going to be the startup brewer, and I think that like startup brewery style yeah. of distributor, and you know, it ended up being that's kind of what we did. But I mean, you also look at how a lot of the startup breweries are run. You're like, well, geez, I don't want to end up like that. 
And so a lot of what I was looking at was some of the other distributors out there. And I think that if I'm doing kind of a post-mortem, I feel like most of the most of the successful breweries I or most successful distributors, you know, got a start earlier than than we were able to get a start. And right. and I think that you know there was just some brands were just not available that were very key in those those places growing like right. the the Shelton Brothers, even though that kind of flamed out. That if you had Shelton Brothers early in the last decade, that was something that you could be very profitable with. Uh, the natural state, uh, sorry, natural states distributor, twelve uh, percent portfolio, uh, be united stuff like that. Um, those were big, you know. I mean, I couldn't get them because they already had distributors by the time I got here. Right. Um, so that was a, it. Was a challenge early on. We got very lucky when we got Untitled Art. I mean, that basically was able. If we hadn't gotten that, we would have had this podcast a long time ago. Right. <laughs> you know, just to be frank, we would have been. You know, we wouldn't have gotten any. We would. We wouldn't have been bought either. It would have been. But so talk about that step in between mm-hmm. that though. From from yeah. coming from when you guys start and you have you know you're you're just dealing with these small kind of startup breweries that mm-hmm. are, and you know in those early times a lot of places that just needed to get in Ohio like just yeah. needed to go from that to then picking up somebody like Untitled Art. Yeah, I mean they, they were get, only our tenth brewery. Was that period. like was that like a purposeful like mind shift that you guys did? Well, we kind of had a bri- we kind of had a bridge brewery that kind of showed us how that made sense. It was a brewery out of Connecticut called Connecticut Valley. We might have tried a few other things on the show. Uh, and it was just a hazy IPA uh, brewery. That's pretty much all they did. They did some other stuff, but we just never brought it in. And they just had reached out to me, and I say they, but it was just an intern who I guess was just supposed to email one one summer, was just supposed <laughs> to email a bunch of distributors in other states. And at this time, we, we didn't all we had were those three Northern Kentucky breweries. So I was like, yeah, shit, show me, send me yourself. We'll see how this goes. And we tried it. I'm like, this is pretty good. And like, it was an, a, a weird assortment of beers they had sent. So I was like, this is, this is pretty good. The, the prices are kind of goofy. Seems a little high. Um, so then, for whatever reason, I think we knew. I mean, I knew that hazy IPAs were a big deal. But um, for whatever reason, we just um, weren't really going to slam those guys. But then I think we got them around Thanksgiving when we finally got the stuff in there because they got, they got turned on and we got the contract signed and everything. Um, and then I remember on Thanksgiving, someone texting me asking me if we had any more of that beer, calling me and asking me if I had any more of that beer. And I was like, okay, that's good news. <laughs> that hasn't happened yeah. before. This is only two months into us, uh, us being a company. And we got so desperate for that. So I remember driving up to the uh, the, the freight terminals where the, 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 cause we'd have to hire trucks to get it picked right. up. Drive up to the freight terminals to pick it up so we could get it in for the next day to get it out for sales and stuff like that. Um, that's something we don't do anymore. Uh, but that was, that was that was like a really our only hit. It was taking up the smallest amount of space in our warehouse. We had the least amount of dollar inventory on it, and it was number one in sales. Right. And I was like, well, that's a good idea. And again, it, I remember seeing the FOB was fifty dollars um, uh, a case, and like that was like that's more than our price to retailer. Like you know what I mean? Like what? How am I supposed to afford this? Right. And so I would like go and like make sure we'd have like every single account that we could send that to. And make sure, okay, we can do this. And then we'd go and send it. And then, you know, we, we would sell it at our markup. So I was like, wait a second. You know, it's the same percentage, but it's a much bigger dollar figure. And yeah. it takes up the same space, roughly the same space in the van. 
not that that not that we were like really choking that thing out uh, at that time. We, you know what I mean? Like we were, it was still like we were still we were still filling up pretty early. I mean, I was pretty much always wanted to make sure that thing was full every anytime we came out of here. But yeah, I mean that was we realized that. I just wish I would have been more aggressive at then. And maybe I guess I could look back at all my emails and maybe I was and just nobody was calling back. But um, Untitled Art was a, we didn't even reach out to them actually. Jason Brewer. Uh, sent them our way when he was at Listerman because they had a collaboration. Right. So we had, uh, I mean, it was just basically, they were supposed to go with another distributor that had fallen apart. And we had, you know, just, we were, we were there, we had the licensing, we were going to do it. We'll do, yeah, we'll take it. Yes, sir. Whatever you guys want. And so we just brought the beer in and it, it sold like crazy. And, you know, then we got a, another brewery single cut in the summer. And that's when things really started to take off. And we added like illuminated, we added, um, 18th street, we added, uh, D nine, we got black acre, which wasn't really part of that scene. We picked right. up cellar dweller. We picked up, um, we had ethereal for a while. They were draft only. Um, when we had, we had a couple other Ohio breweries that didn't really work out. Um, but, uh, you know, essentially you kind of could see, cause even, even then, like you can kind of see some of the ones I'm describing weren't exactly that kind. And I still kind of thought like I wanted to diversify the portfolio, but you know, besides wooden cask, a lot of that stuff just, it wasn't really working. So well, it, there, it feels or felt still feels to me sometimes when I watch places come in that, uh, that, that are probably like a, like a successful brand for, for you guys or mm-hmm. for, for any other distributor, like they come in and it's this big, 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 big splash and this big pop and this big, like, people get really excited about it. And I don't, I don't always understand why compared to other stuff that's already here and why, I mean, I, I guess it's the story of, of, of modern yeah. craft beer. It's just basically <laughs> is what it is. I mean, you, you are kind of running up and down an escalator and we do try to avoid that, try and find partners who will have some sustained staying power. Yeah. And we've definitely seen that with Pipeworks. Um, we definitely, and we saw it with Untitled Art. Those are still still two of our major brands, even though we picked. But I, I don't I don't understand how any one of those is different than any one of the other brands that wasn't. Like um, I, I feel like it's still just it's it is a complete roll of the dice every single time you bring something because the beer is all fine. Like the beer is yeah. the beer is all just as good as each other. Um, with Untitled Art, it's definitely the breadth of their portfolio. Um, and with with Pipeworks, I think they they've just they're more established and they really just don't fucking miss. And if something's wrong, they take care of it immediately um and they've i I think it's just uh it sometimes you know i i don't really second guess customers when it comes to what they like because i've just i do i second guess everybody that i talk to (laughs) (laughs) i I just i just because i mean i feel like you i didn't i just haven't had a good track record when it came to when it's come to that as as a businessman like i mean we've just whenever i've thought like this is something people should like you know, I just, I just, I'm so, I just hate selling stuff that is hit or miss. I hate right. selling stuff that, uh, I mean, if it's just bad or if it just isn't up to snuff, it's not as good as other, other products. You just, you can tell and you, people can tell and it, and it, you know, I think people do like to undermine that certainty in the industry because their product isn't where that other product is. And you, we right. can all argue about untapped and, 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 you know, the wisdom of the crowd or whatever, but essentially I have found that popular beer is, um, in craft beer, usually pretty good. And there's just not a lot you can do um, if the product isn't 
A plus. And I think you're right that sometimes it feels like, well, there's other A plus product that isn't, yeah. isn't as popular. And I, sometimes that's true, but a lot of times, I mean, it is just kind of not, not that, not that this product isn't as good. It just doesn't have there's, the variety. It doesn't have the, there's um, something else behind punch, it yeah. of why it's, uh, why, why it isn't getting that, uh, uh, that pop that somebody else may be. And, and there's lots of reasons why that could exist, the, but there's something else behind it. That, mm-hmm. that is, it, is, it is. And if I knew what it was, you know, maybe we wouldn't be having this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you turn into a very successful consulting company. Then if you could figure all that out. And oh yeah. <laughs> I feel, we, yeah. We should if drink I, another beer. Let's do it. Let's do, uh, um, let's get weird actually right away. Um, this is why I brought water so we can, uh, rinse these glasses out. So you said you're interested in I'm, out of order. I'm curious. So we're kind of having this out of order. I don't know. Actually, this is such a bizarre assembly of, uh, of beers. So I just got the weirdest stuff for you. So I know you like beer that looks like this. Yeah. What you just poured in your glass does not look like beer. <laughs> it looks like cereal milk, doesn't it? It really does. So, wow, it smells great, doesn't it? So this is part of their out-of-order series. Uh, it refers God. to what, what a have we done? slushy what have machine. We done? <laughs> what hath we wrought? Um, so this is obviously a uh, fruity, it's called Stone Age Rocks. It's a fruity, pebbles-themed beer. Um and uh, so, so the uh, the artwork on the can mm-hmm. uh, is this the uh, oh wow uh, the, uh, the, the the what is it the uh, slush slush puppy it tastes dog. so much it tastes so much better but than it looks he's dressed up like Fred Flintstone mm-hmm. and he looks like he has the crap got beat out of him that's um, how they always look all right I'm gonna I'm gonna dive <laughs> into this I'm gonna <laughs> I mean it's yeah it mm-hmm. smells like. It smells like fruity cereal. Mm-hmm. It was a little sweet, I will say that. Which I guess you shouldn't be surprised with the breakfast cereal themed. No, I mean it's. I mean that tastes that tastes a lot better than um, that tastes a lot better than it looks. I've had a few of these before, not many, but people go God, absolutely fucking crazy for these things. It's just so strange to me. Like mm-hmm. it's it's good. It's exactly what it's supposed to taste like, but. I just don't, I don't understand how we've gotten. I mean, we have nine cases of this product. We had 10 and one got damaged. That's why we're drinking this one. So it's not as if like, oh yeah, this is what people are um, but, like, buying everywhere. Yeah. But when I, like if I just jump on Facebook mm-hmm. and I just quickly start scrolling through what I see people talking about, mm-hmm. it is something like this, if not this specifically. Oh, I don't know about that. We could do that right now. Of, well, your Facebook's probably different than mine. Sure. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think that this is. See the first, the first couple beers that pop up on my Facebook feed. Let's I'm see what they do are. The same thing. And again, it's not. It's not even emblematic of what's on Untapped, and it's not really even emblematic of what is going on in the actual market. I think we talked about this last time. I mean, this, this is yeah. an incredibly niche product. And if you know, if this was what everyone was drinking. We'd be set. Okay, so the first first beer that came up was the uh, um, that new uh, stout from Listerman. Okay, there you go. Doop doop doop. That's great. Is that the Icor series? Yeah. Yep. Nice. A coconut key lime ale from uh, somebody that's drinking at Epcot. <laughs> that's nice. 
But if I'm looking at like some of the stuff that people are bringing in, like yeah, I need to got... just jump into like one of the actual groups here to get some actual mm-hmm. good posts. So I see on our beloved Cincinnati Craft Beer Club, um, I see the Waldos, I see Diamond Hands from, I assume, I don't even know who that's from. It looks like, I don't know, I'm not sure what the one is. We got Chester King, Hazy IPA, oh wow. I do see Fuzzy Nuggets from Magnanimous and Juicy Secrets. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's taken me yeah. a little while to get down to find. Uh, there's. I see some stuff, but yeah, I mean, I think we're Hill talking Farmstead. about it. Wait, is so Hill it's, Farmstead? You're you're putting that in here? That's no. I mean, just when I'm scrolling, mm-hmm. what people are talking about, like yeah. that's. Well, no, I, I think that in, this is. I mean, we have nine cases of this product. Yeah, no, it it definitely takes me a lot longer to get. Oh, here it is. Here, there's. So I mean, it's probably. I don't know. Ten or fifteen posts in before mm-hmm. I see somebody talking about something like this so yeah. I mean, it's just but maybe it's just and again go back to that uh october episode mm-hmm. uh, i'll try to put a link in the show notes <laughs> and yeah, it's and, just, we, yeah you know it's maybe because it is so uh big personality yeah that it just stands out so much when you see it and it, like it it um, it forces you to stop when you're scrolling. You're like, what the hell is that in that person's no, and glass? I think it's or... not what everyone's, but I think, I mean, I think honestly, if we, if you're looking at the industry now, I think you have the opposite problem. I think I probably said that in October too. It's just, you know, what's really happening is it's follow, follow the leader stuff. I mean, look at how many people made low calorie IPAs at the same time yeah. for no reason. I mean, that, you know what I mean? Like that's, that's where I feel like you see, you know, we're not seeing any innovation. You look at like last five, six years. I mean, what what is what has fundamentally changed about the industry when it comes to beer? It, 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 except for the fact that breweries are making non-beer products. I mean, you can say this is a non-beer product, right. product or whatever. But you know, that's I mean, last five since we started, I mean, it just hasn't been well uh, that uh, much. What was the last like real innovation as far as a, a beer product that is a beer product? Well, what people say is like hazy IPA. It was like the last time things really fundamentally changed. When uh, and when was that when it really probably 2017 2018 it was like um was when you really was really saw it hit mass market but i mean like heady topper was, yeah, was 2007 2008 so it depends that, on where you started but i mean it's, you look at something like beer how do you mm-hmm. innovate beer i'll finish it okay <laughs> Um, but no, you're, you're right. Maybe innovation is the wrong. Is, isn't even shouldn't even be how we're measuring uh, progress or whatever you want to say. Uh, but I don't know. I, I feel like now, I don't think that local beer or your local beer taps are more interesting than they were ten years ago. As far as like when you could innovate anything, yeah. it'd be easy to argue that it's less interesting. No, I I, I don't. It, I, I wouldn't say less. Inter- I, I don't think I could. I would argue less okay. interesting. But I don't think they're any more interesting. I don't think that. I guess it's a big. That's a big. Uh, if it, it's easy to say that it could be the same because you know we're it's, it's at a same high level, but I don't. I don't know. But to I, don't me, I feel like you I don't, don't think it's any less exciting for me though. Like I still mm. love sitting down in a bar, and even if you said you're going to walk into this bar and on tap there's going to be a uh, uh, an American lager, something kind of just you know middle of the road, something easy drinking. There's going to be a pale ale. There's going to be an IPA. There's going to be a stout, and, and go through you know you know six or seven styles. Mm-hmm. That's what's in here. Yeah. I don't I don't care who they are. That's all that's going to be on tap. But you've never had any one of them, right? That's, oh, really? That's still just as exciting. To me. I hear you. Yeah, because I still just want to just drink 
new beers and to see what people are doing and to like, even if it's something as simple as a, as, as, as a, a, a standard kind of, you know, American stout, like no, we, we know what that's supposed to taste like. Mm-hmm. And this is probably that beer that's on tap is probably not going to be the best American stout that I've ever had because I've had so many of them but I'm still really excited to try it. It's been a long time since I've had just a normal American stout. I feel like when I think about it, I think of like Mount Carmel stout from way back in the day. Uh, Fibonacci does Fibonacci. Uh, Toll House. Does it, but is there any adjuncts in it? Uh, they do adjuncts, yeah. but they still ha- they still do the original kind of is Toll, uh, Toll House just seems like it would have an adjunct in it, but it does not. It does not. Yeah, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even count like lactose or oats, but... Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, 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 there's I don't still think something fun about that to me. Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree. No, I think that, I think that's a good point. Um, but I feel like we see less of that kind of thing. Like, I, don't, uh, yes. I feel like I feel like we see less of just like oh, this is just a stout. Well, we, and that, I, it, yeah, and I, mean, I feel like we see less of most styles. It's not like oh, well, it's because everyone's making fruity I, pebbles beer. It's because everyone's making I think the some, same kind of like proven styles because they don't want to deviate from what they believe is, is the pathway to success. Oh, I, I think there's, there's like a complete opposite side to that too, where sometimes you walk in and nothing is just normal. Everybody's trying to, or somebody, whoever you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're, whatever brewery you're at, they're trying too hard to put their own spin on everything. That can happen. I think that can be fun though. I feel like that's, yeah, I hear what you're saying. I think that I can think of a few examples of that, but I feel that's positive. In some ways, it I don't can, know. I mean, yeah. it can be if it's good. Yeah, I guess. I mean, that's that's uh, that's the bottom line. I feel like I feel like that there is no. If we're I, if we're going to come to agreement here, I think it's basically as long as there's quality and as long as there is some diversity, it's not as if things have to be completely goofy or completely strange or completely off the wall. We don't have right. to be reinventing the wheel every couple of years in beer. And I think that's probably healthy to not try to to do too much. I just feel that we haven't seen. I think. I think it's because of where the beer industry is right now. I just think that people are scared to do anything that's too new in, in a major way. Like I'm sure if you go into tap rooms, you can see like, oh well, this is this beer we brewed on the right. pilot system, whatever, whatever. You know, just to fill fill a hole. But I don't think like you know getting you know f- very different products out there. It does kind of look. It does kind of look the same right now, doesn't but, it? If you, if you look at if you look at a grocery set, which sure. is which is a, a problem in itself, itself. But even if you go to like Jungle Gyms or something like that, and you look at the look at the, what they're offering, it doesn't look very different. Well, the problem with you know you look at a place like Jungle Gyms, not to call Jungle Gyms out, but mm-hmm. you know you walk in now and you know this expanded craft beer section that they put in back in whatever year that was. It was two thousand twelve, two thousand thirteen. Yeah. Now there's one of those shelves that is taken up by not alcoholic beer. Mm-hmm. Which is fine. Uh, I, you know, I, I still think that I would love to be able to drink non-alcoholic beer if it tasted good. Uh, uh, we do have some good ones. I, I meant I was going to try one, but I just thought that uh, <laughs> I thought that would just be against the spirit of the show. The, the uh, uh, you have an entire shelf that's taken up by canned cocktails now in the beer section. Mm-hmm. You have like there's just these. You know, there's a whole section for cider. There's a whole section for seltzers. There's like all of these things are now just taking craft beer shelf space away, which is, which I I want all of those things to exist, Mm -hmm. but I don't want it to replace craft beer. And so like, I start to see some of these places and and not to call it jungle gyms. They're just the place that I shop at the most. Um, and it like, I, I walk in and like, there's, there's less options now than there were five years ago for somebody that just wants to grab a beer. That's interesting. 
That could be the case. Yeah. No, hundred percent there is. Yeah. There's, there's X amount of shelves. They haven't added any more shelves in that time. And now there's one of them that's taken up by this. And one of them is taken up by this. And one of them is taken up so by this. So there's less options, but more breweries. Yes. Now, how do we think that problem is going to resolve itself? I don't know. <laughs> I, I think that's the central, that, that's the central math problem. We've got to send behind. them to the Thunderdome. <laughs> <laughs> The only solution. Yeah, I, I don't think that. Yeah, I mean that that is the only solution. <laughs> but, um, yeah, but I mean that's yeah. like you know this this idea that um, uh, in craft beer to and correct me if I'm wrong here, mm-hmm. but uh, to really get people excited about things, you need something new in front of them. Be it a new brand, be it a new uh, a, a new beer under that's that, definitely under that the case. Yeah, that, that, I mean that was one of the ways we were successful is that we were able to, unlike a brewery, we could bring in new stuff every single week. In some cases, from several breweries. How does that keep? How does that keep growing? How does that keep? How does that, how do how do we keep doing that? Well, I mean, I think that finding brands that don't need to be that, that do have reorders has been a big part of of what our long-term growth strategy is um and part of what you know going on in the future you know that will be what i think is going to be successful you're not just bringing in new beer so you're not just right. living and dying on on new releases and that thing that kind of thing because again that newness can wear off and we try to be very deliberate about that but also we also like to work with breweries that aren't bugging us every week because they have beer going bad in their, you know, right in their, uh, in their warehouse. So, I mean, that it's, it's, it, it's a delicate, tricky, tricky balance. Um, and, uh, you know, the answer is, you know, it, like I likened it to running up a down escalator, but you know, that's, you, you do have to find brands and we've been lucky to find a few that one can make new releases interesting every time. And two can have some kind of, if not core product, reliable products that don't have to be brand spanking new right. to get people's attention. You know, Ninja versus Unicorn has been probably the best example of that, but there's been others. What is when you guys started Adina and mm-hmm. then kind of going forward where you're at right now? How has your measure of success and what you do changed? Well, I mean, it, I will definitely say that. It became the measure of success became as the years survival far more far more based on well far more based on financial yeah but I mean I, I was probably more worried about our company year one than in year what is now year five sure so I mean definitely which was nice but you know, uh, before before shit really hit the fan uh, when you were kind of envisioning what this place was in your head. Uh, and, and you were trying to figure out what that meant for that to be a successful thing. Well, yeah, I definitely was thinking we would just be another craft beer distributor. I did not think we would be a fundamentally different kind of craft beer distributor than existed. I, like, I thought I just would be running one of the distributors that right. I eventually, we're just going to be smaller, but we'll provide the, many of the same services. The same then thing. we'll just grow into that size, and then that's where we'll, and maybe we'll be a little smaller. But, you know, we'll, we'll still, you know, we'll still basically be, one of the, like a premium, a Cavalier, if you're not familiar with those, the places that right. uh, I was going to list a bunch of breweries they don't carry anymore, but you know, like basically that it, it, it had, you know, your, your kind of rare ish beer breweries that were like cool, but weren't, you know, not necessarily like, I don't want to, it's hard not to call out brands and a lot of them have changed, but if you, essentially if you're imagining like uh, what we used to call regional breweries, that kind of thing, right. those kind of places brewing between, you know, 70 to 
800,000 barrels a year, those breweries that were in 14, 18, 20 states. Right. And you could find them in some grocery stores, but not a lot. You could find them in, you know, mostly bottle shops, restaurants, that kind of thing. Uh, and it ended up being that those breweries just weren't really successful. Um, if they weren't in Ohio yet, they probably weren't going to reach that level. I mean, the kind of, right. it's kind of become a very rare species, a regional brewery. And either they've become national breweries or they've kind of just, you know, had gotten to, stuck. Had yeah, to yeah. reimagine everything that or, they yeah, do. Or got, yeah, just I mean, essentially, they, yeah, gotten bought or, or whatever, uh, or closed, bankrupt, switched owners, whatever. Um, so essentially, we had to find, you know, newer breweries, one, that were doing something different. I mean, and also that were selling at a different price structure than especially most local breweries were selling at. Right. So, I mean, that was basically, and just basically finding product that most local breweries weren't making was basically, that was what we ended up, that's how we were able to stand out. Does that shift at all now going forward? It'll it'll basically be the same thing. So, um, I mean, because that is kind of the, I I do think if we would have started a few years earlier, maybe made it a little, a few different decisions, maybe had just, you know, Maybe it the uh, it does seem like the model we were running was something that that could have been if you would have started maybe in the middle of last decade, you know, got a few more of those kind of real boom years in craft right. beer. Maybe that's one of those. I, I still see those in other states, and they're still growing. They're still, or at least still doing pretty well. Uh, flip that a little bit, though. Mm-hmm. What had happened? What would have happened if you had started a year or? Uh, yeah, we'll say a year because two years. I don't think there's any argument that you could have existed. <laughs> what do you mean, two years ago? <laughs> no, yeah. if you had started two years uh, after you did, and then got hit with COVID right oh, off. Oh, of we would have started two years after. Yeah, I, I just don't think there would have been any brands for us. Um, I mean, because we we do have in-state competition that they probably would have gotten all the brands that, that we that, were that, successful with. Yeah, that timing of kind of if when we would have started, started like in 2019 or 2000, like you know, basically like yeah, I mean, COVID would have been. Uh, pretty bad for a new distributor because you wouldn't really be able to make a name for yourself. A lot of what helped us, even though we did start adding new accounts pretty quickly in the summer, um, a lot of what helped us out uh, initially was just being able to send orders remotely, receive orders remotely and deliver them. Um, or, you know, being able to quickly get in, get out, get an order, you know, and we were, I mean, we were getting some of the best orders we ever gotten, uh, pretty quickly in, uh, in COVID. So it wasn't as if COVID was necessary. I mean, I'll be any brewery that says that COVID was like bad for them. I just, I don't know, just with all the gobs of federal money you were able to get and a lot of the support, and especially if you were in distro, like I can kind of see. I don't want to like be insensitive to people's. I mean, obviously, I think there was a lot of a lot of fear and a lot of you know a huge pain in the ass dealing with, sure. with asshole customers who don't want to wear masks or whatever, and you know people getting sick and and all that kind of stuff. It was a disaster. I don't want to think say like oh yeah, COVID was something that that you know everyone enjoyed. But between a lot of the people at home drinking be- more beer than they were before and. Again, two rounds of PPP, the EIDL, the um, Re- Restaurant Rescue Act. Um, I, th- I mean, it could have been the greatest financial windfall uh, of most of these breweries' lives. Right. Um, and, you know, we only got one round because we grew in uh, 2020. So, and we didn't get the restaurant uh, either. Right. So. Because uh, we, we are not a restaurant. <laughs> if you can't tell here. <laughs> there is a microwave. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, let's drink another beer. Let's do it. So this is end-to-end burners. I feel like I need to rinse my glass one more time. It's kind Just of a Cheech and Chong-inspired uh, beer for 420. Um, it is uh, Dank as Fuck IPA, as you know. Hmm. Yeah, I love the artwork. Yeah. See, now, that was a bad pour, and it wasn't my fault. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, these guys come from uh, Las Vegas, but they brew it out of San Diego with Mason Ale Works, which I've never tried to pass off as a uh, local brewery. So, oh, to I my credit. I even thought about that. <laughs> <laughs> Someone asked me about it yesterday. Believe it or not, two days ago. Oh, that's good. Um, and we were like, I was kind of thinking, yeah, it's kind of funny, but no. <laughs> it's just Mason, like the uh, like stone Mason. Oh, that's good. It's good, solid. I like really it. like this. This is really kind of, yeah, definitely a different vibe. Um, well, it, it's, it, nice. it's also nice because it's like kind of hazy, but not it, really. Yeah, it toes that line between kind of this hazy New England thing and big kind of danky west coast kind of style ipas like yeah. this is um i think if, what it's what three points called a post coast ipa yeah, i'm, I'm you, really sad that that never that terminology never came about because I, I think there was kind of like this you know okay we're gonna make ipas they're not gonna be clear they're gonna have late hop edition um but they're also gonna have more bitterness right. and that kind of thing well it's uh I, to me, it's it's kind of what I hoped and, and, and didn't really catch on that there would become this shift between hazy IPA and New England IPA as styles and what those mm-hmm. meant, and that you know kind of we'd find some kind of separation between the two, but um, didn't really catch on that way. No, I, I was griping earlier. I don't know if this was uh, with the Truth Beer Pod people or if, or if uh, it was on in front of microphones or not, but the uh, that the American IPA is like something that I think people should recognize as a style. It's different than a West Coast IPA. Okay. I feel that like you can't just say that everything's a West Coast IPA if it has uh, no haziness to it. You right. know, I think that there's right. a huge difference between, you know, Racer 5 or, um, and we have Modus Operandi. Um, we have uh, a handful of like really, truly bitter, resiny, high alpha acid, you know, dark in color IPAs right. that like are truly West Coast IPAs. Whereas I feel like some of this stuff is just, you know, especially early on, people were getting away from that already before the hazy, hazy craze came out. And a lot of the breweries were putting out, you know, late hop edition, a little bit lower ABV, um, maybe had a little bit lighter malt character, that right. kind of thing. And um, softer basically fruitier juicier citrusier well, I, that was already happening what was and, the um sam adams did uh what was that series of ipas they did for a while there latitude uh, 48 no no, no 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 it was a whole like uh the oh shit it's gonna bother me now and they there was one that uh, they did, and uh, really early on when they first released it, they shipped it to us in this little mm-hmm. thing with this little like dry ice pack and all kinds of stuff um, in cans. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, uh, like that's what it was. Like it, it had some of that softness and some of the late hops that, 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 the, that the New England stuff had, but it was still like this big kind of 
bold, bitter. Oh, what was the? Uh, was it just their new England IPA? Rebel, Rebel, the Rebel, Rebel series. Uh, the <laughs> I Rebel series. I forgot about Rebel IPA. Rebel, well, Rebel IPA was a perfect Rebel, example. Rebel Raw was what that Rebel one was. Raw. It was, yeah. uh, it, it was fantastic. It was so good. But it kind of it towed that line. Like nobody like God. knew what the hell it was, and nobody understood it. And again, it, they they wouldn't send it to us unless it was shipped cold, and you had to be there to get it because it couldn't well, yeah, be I, yeah, I think I mean <laughs> Rebel Raw. Yeah, I think that. Yeah, I mean I think the original Rebel IPA is, is similar to what I was talking about. Yeah, like, yeah, where yeah. it was just kind of like not really, not really. A, you know, it was kind of a similar to a pale ale without. Having uh, maybe uh, just a little bit less, a little bit higher ABV, a little bit less uh, crystal malt, and yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. And uh, I think that was kind of the standard IPA. And now when people call those West Coast IPAs, I'm like, that's sto- <laughs> stolen valor is what that is. <laughs> but that's just maybe well, that's, that's just a person. But I think that's a problem just with IPA in general is that there's such a crazy spectrum now that. It's hard to kind of find where different things fit within that. Oh, and that's how it's always been. I don't know if you remember. It hasn't always well, been Well, you way. remember East Coast IPAs? Well, yeah. But so I mean. it was like, that was like basically like, oh, it's kind of like an, it's kind of like an English style IPA. So it's less, you know, it's a little bit more malt forward, a little bit, you know, it has more earthy tones and more herbal and like a little bit lower ABV, lighter, you know, lighter malt care, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, it's just like. That was what they called East Coast IPAs, and like that was an East Coast versus West Coast thing, and then that was way before like then the, the hazy but, thing yeah, completely the, changed the paradigm. But that, yeah, and people had all kinds of goofy. I mean, there are all kinds of goofy IPAs back then: black IPAs, rye IPAs. Those are, do not call black IPAs goofy. That's one of my favorite styles. But it was goofy at the time. It was goofy at the time. It was a goofy thing. It's just the only reason it's not goofy now is because we were just much younger men when we were drinking it. <laughs> I loved them. I loved. There were some great, great black IPAs out there. Uh, it's, but at least those were easy to identify and figure out kind of what was going on. And to, oh to yeah, say, oh, no. But is, at the time, people were like, "Oh, it's just basically a dry hop stout." You know, <laughs> people had problems. People have always had problems in craft beer. That's not. It's not new. <laughs> uh, when it, certainly that had to have started at some point. Uh, did we do that when? You know, when 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 craft beer was was born with you know some of the things that were happening on the West Coast, like because it wasn't always that way in beer. Like people what do you didn't mean? Like, like this 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 idea of like uh, fighting over what styles things are is this even a style? Like that that didn't used to happen. Are you sure? I don't know, but I mean, like I bet it did. I bet it was. Think? I bet there was a huge fight to create new styles and stuff like that. I don't know. I like it. Uh, I don't know. I would. That would be a fun. I wish the uh, the guys at uh, Bruce Guys Happy Hour could could really explore that, because I mean, like a lot of the styles that aren't really like a lot of, they're I, real. They're real styles. Like they, will, they were kind of invented in the eighties by like Michael Jackson and some of the people who were doing home brewing and stuff like that. They would just say like, "Yeah, this is like a Vienna lager," and like you know what I mean. Like it's just like, oh, you know, like. But I bet, there was, I bet there was a tipping point because, you know, before some kind of certain point in time, nobody knew what the hell a Vienna lager was. So n- nobody oh, yeah. could argue with it. Mm-hmm. And at some point, enough people had you don't tried. Think the, the had, Viennese had an opinion on it? Well, I mean, I'm sure that they would have argued. But, well, you know, it's not made here. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was that simple before that. I, mean, I think at some point it became normal enough that people were like, oh, yeah, I've tried a Vienna lager mm-hmm. that's not a Vienna lager like and, and, and like that argument has to have started like at some point in time have you ever had a beer made in Vienna 
Uh, sure. Really? Yeah. Which one? I, well, I, I, I mean, only had like one. Yeah, I mean, I know I've had Vienna Lager from Vienna, like on tap somewhere. Really? I, I think so. Well, see, that is what I thought. And I was like, wait I, a second, I, mean, I never have. Yeah, it's, it's very possible there was some, kind of some I, brand that was... There might be was, some Vienna style stuff, but I mean, no, because there was one, Odekringer came to, don't get it now, it's very old, but they did a drop, and I was like, I've never had... Didn't hire, I, I love Vienna didn't Lager. Didn't Higher Gravity put one in the calendar or something one year? Maybe. A Vienna Lager? I'd, I'd have to go back and look I at think some probably, and there, there might be. I think sometimes there are German breweries that do Vienna style. And then that, that, that I think is at least closer. That's And that's true, too. Was it even if it was But I, I remember German, looking up brewery. I was like, I love Vienna lagers. Like, I like Elliot Ness and Boston lager and Brooklyn lager. Um, I don't know if I've ever actually had a real Vienna lager. And the ones are just yeah. so much more, so much more subtle and so much more. I mean, would you, would you be, would not be surprised to learn that, but I mean, right. like the, you know, the malt and hop forward lager that I love in Elliott Ness and, right. and Brooklyn lager, they are, uh, that I used to love at Boston lager. Um, that, uh, I take it you've tried the new version. No, I, actually, I'm just talking shit. Um, no, but I, I think that I think that that's where a lot of the stuff, you know, it doesn't go back that far. We think like, oh, you know, this was how it was for thousands of years, and now we just changed it. Yeah, it, it's always been changing. There's always been different things, and it's always been interpreted um, simply. You know, the interpretation is only as good as the ingredients that the people have, and 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 essentially, if we're just saying like. This is a Vienna lager because it's similar to Sam Adams Boston lager and, and Brooklyn lager, but I just made it a little bit different. Like that eventually changes, right? And you get farther and farther away. And does it in? I think in some cases, I think that is fun, and, and especially I do think. Oh, I think the it's more fun. you can keep it. I mean, I think one of the most fun things that I I loved in home brewing is, you know, I never could just stick to a recipe. I would always be like, this looks like a good recipe, and now it's got a Cascade Dry Hop. <laughs> or I would just say, like, you know what's fun? It sounds like a fun name? Wee Honey. So I'll just take a Scotch Ale, and I'll replace some of the malt with honey malt, and I'll right. just squeeze a pound of honey in there. And then that, that stuff's fun. I, that's the kind of stuff I don't see as much anymore. That's fun. Because I don't think they sell very well, but by the way. It's, but the, the complete flip side of that is it's fun when you have somebody that's like, okay, like I, I really like, you know, this, this wee honey that, that, mm-hmm. that Michael made, but uh, I want to try to figure out what it's actually supposed to taste like. like right. What is a, a wee heavy really supposed to be? I'm going to try to replicate the water profile and figure out what malts they were using and like this other kind of nerdy side. Right. Uh, like... It's but, like I mean, two complete opposites. But I mean, we heavy scotch. Those are those are again American homebrewer. Inve- I don't want to say they're inventions, but I mean essentially, they're not. They weren't. There's they not weren't really a lot of, there's not a lot of commercial examples. Yeah, they sure. weren't standardized. There's not a lot of commercial examples of that style. I think Skull Splitter from Orkney, um, I think might be one of the only one. There's a few. I think right. Trequar. I think maybe. But I mean that's. Now I don't know how long we've been recording because I can't see the timer from the other one. <laughs> hey, hey. Hello. We're back. Nice. I was just saying that American craft beer styles were but kind of I, always a little bit pulled out of the ass of... Uh, <laughs> I can't, think, I can't think of any other guys. like uh, uh, wee heavy 
commercial examples that are made, but but I think we've we, we've also kind of lost this desire, I think, from uh, craft breweries to to push hard into something that's considered more traditional like that. Like I think right. we're, we're, we've lost a little bit of that. I, yeah, it's always funny. I think there was a great article about food, Italian food. That was talking about how a lot of what they say are these ancient traditions of, of Italian cuisine are, in fact, fairly recent modern commercial inventions. Like right. Ciabatta bread is a great example. Uh, but when you think about it, like the tomato comes from the Western Hemisphere. Like that's not, you know. Wait, what? Seriously? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know so, that. So, so, do, so do potatoes, you know, corn. Uh you know, cumin, oh, corn, yeah. corn. I knew. Uh, was it no? Uh, paprika is. Uh, I comes from uh, Mexico, from a chili pa- uh, paprika. Seriously? Yeah. So paprika, like, why do you think that they went over there <laughs> and took all the stuff? Well, no, I thought it was just a mistake. I thought they just. Hmm? I thought they were trying to get to India to get to some of that stuff. Well, there was a lot of that stuff in Mexico. There wasn't paprika in India. No, I don't believe so. Really. I That's, think we've kind of got. We've definitely lost the sauce here now. I, I'm, I'm, no, I'm, my mind uh, is blown. But no, I, I think I think it's important to re- remember that um, a lot of these styles. I don't. I, I would love to see, hear someone who who was a real beer historian. Like, I mean, everyone knows the the the, the kind of like made up. Not made up, but the, the story about the India Pale Ale. Sure, sure, sure. I feel like there's a lot of smaller examples of that when it comes to like the, like we've been talking about. And I think, you know, unfortunately, these are all styles I'd like to see, my whether mind, they're historically accurate or not. My mind just goes to, like, to, to Germany is where, yeah. when, I, when I think about beer, that's where it always ends up. And I just, mm-hmm. I think about this, uh, uh, this kind of almost stubborn German side of beer of, like, no, this this is what a Pilsner is supposed to be. And right. this is this is what a Dunkelweizen is supposed to be. Right. Hefeweizen. Like, these are, these are what they are. And I, I... But, I mean... I guess I just, in my head, I assume that's like that with every kind of quote-unquote historical well, I mean, even, in, even in Germany, I feel. I mean, look at I mean, the Pilsner's not some ancient uh, uh, beer style either. I mean, it came around in the 19th century with the advent of the glass. Well, and, uh, yeah, but it was it was still kind of, uh, yeah, it was, it was, I guess it was an evolution of, yeah. you know, one style turning into another. And, right. Um, and I, th- I think that's what they were talking about in, in Italian food. I think it's, it bears beating in beer. Like if, you know, to, to be afraid of innovation and in, in, in new stuff just because this is how we've always done it. Well, maybe as it turns out, you haven't always done it the exact same way this whole time. So that opens up a whole other, <clears throat> a whole other door to kind of the... Um, and I guess I would like someone who was an actual expert of this, not just an armchair no, I mean, uh, philosopher we don't, we don't, as a company. We don't yeah. do that on this show. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, this new world of, you know, kind of using modified yeasts and, and, and things like that, that that do weird things to beer. Mm-hmm. Is that the next evolution? It is an evolution, sure. I mean, uh, it, un- unambiguously, uh, right? You know, where does it... Um, to what end? Like, to what? Are, what are we going to? Like, where? Where is beer headed? Well, I, I think it'd be interesting to know because I think the I where beer is headed and where craft breweries are headed are are inextricable are definitely linked for sure. But um, you know, I feel that if we have healthy breweries, I think we will still still see innovation and you will see you know education that you know customers are no longer 
that's not really what people are looking for right now, but you'd like to think that you could get somebody <laughs> to finally start appreciating yeah, like learning about beer again. I don't know because like, you know, we, we, we look at, you know, cold IPA mm-hmm. and like, it just feels like this, like it, it is some kind of innovation in beer. It is yeah. something that people are trying to do different uh, to mm-hmm. try to create a beer style that is similar to other beer styles that have already been made. Yeah. And instead of trying to uh, educate people about that, they just call it cold IPA, which is like, <laughs> it is just like the, 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 and then the you'd really, common yeah. denominator of like, oh, you guys like cold beer, you like IPAs. And this we, is a great name for a beer. Did we ever find out who made the first cold IPA? It's Who's a, to blame? It was a place on West Coast, uh, so, 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 Sojourner, Wanderer. Hmm. Journey, something like that. Okay. Uh, But I think maybe perhaps they did do all the explanation. Cold IPA is a concise way of explaining it. Then we're going to give you the long version. And then you had all the copycats just be like, oh, cold IPA is trendy. That's what we'll do. We won't really... We'll figure out how do they do it. Okay. All right, great. We're going to do that. We're going to put it out there. And it's going to, you know, because rents do. So, right. I mean, just even, even just the name though, cold IPA is just like, it's, it's like somebody that was a, a marketing guy came up with the perfect, like, it's like you asked chat GPI or whatever. But did to, they, I mean, like, was that the case? I mean, cause we don't, I, I don't know if that's, just, that, that's really what happened. Know, I, but what it, it feels like that. Well, well, on it, well, I think it's, it's certainly no matter how it started, that's what happened is that people, I like the sound of that. That sounds cool. That sounds catchy. Looks like other people right. like it. Now we're going to jump on it. And I think, I mean, that is, I think, a, uh, that, I think that is, I don't want to say a problem because I think that, I mean, craft breweries have much bigger problems right now. Because I'm people um, I mean, like, Pilsner is not a great name for a beer style. Like, it's right. not a marketable name. Are you joking? No, I mean, I mean, it is now because of the history, but, you know, versus cold IPA. Like, if you look at the difference between kind of the name, like, Pilsner happened because it was in Pilsen, right. you know, versus cold IPA happens. How do we find out? Like, yeah. like no, it wasn't. It was <laughs> like, it turns out it wasn't. The people, in, you know, like, that's one of those funny stories. Like, people in very just thought it was. Um, actually, that's, Pilsen. that's actually yeah. probably true. It was probably yeah. somebody else some goofy outside that it's was just like, yeah, I went to this, pl- I went to Pilsen and they had this nice beer and like, Hey, you know, like people, actually, this was, we the, made this in Prague. The people, the people in Pilsen probably just called it beer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then like, that's, that's probably is the case. Uh, why would they call it Pilsner? I guess just to puff themselves up. I I guess, yeah, I it's, it's people outside. I think that's, that's probably true. But you know, it's still different than, than something like cold IPA. Mm-hmm. We I, know, drink, I know your vendetta against cold IPA. I, I, I just, I, I just can't, I just can't get as angry. You know, I, I, I kind of, I, I don't do, disagree with you. I, I just don't, doesn't. Make I me don't as mad. dislike cold IPAs. I think that they, you know, a lot of them that I've tried are, are, are just fine. They're they're good beers, but I just, I, I just, I think it's, a, I think it's a sign of something bigger that's happening in craft beer that I can't really put my finger on. Well, I think that there is. Let's try a beer, and then I can tell you what's ha- what I think is happening okay. in craft beer. Okay, and you can just. You can let me know if it's too dark. Okay. This is Chocolate Caliente, which is a winter whiskey barrel-aged stout aged on cocoa nibs and chili peppers from Wooden Cask. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah, the aroma. I feel like I get the peppers in the aroma more. I had one of these uh, a little while ago. I feel like and I wish to God... They, we just released this beer, and they put winter whiskey on the label just to spite me, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> Is it? I mean, it's not a winter beer. 
Is, yeah, is winter whiskey a thing? I don't know. I mean, just like cold IPA. Um, Aged in New Riff Winter Whiskey. I bet it's a, I I bet think it's it's a thing. it's just the name of the brand. Yeah. Hmm. All right. I'm going to try it again. Mm-hmm. So it's a fantastic beer. I mean, I think um, I like peppers in beer when they don't dominate it. Um, Mayan Sacrifice is like the big pepper beer that we sell. Oh, oh yeah, that's mm-hmm. good. Yeah, and it oh. uh, this one actually I think is more peppery than the one I had last time. Maybe I just last time I had this it was too late in the evening. But the yeah the aroma I think, I think is killer. No, um, man, I'm I'm always blown away by uh, Wooden Cask's barrel aged beers. Mm-hmm. It's just in there. Eleven point six percent. Yep, that does good not luck. taste like it. Um, they're always around. They always they're always doing stuff. Um, they will be. I think centering more on the corruption line and doing variations of corruption. Right. Um, just to kind of, it was getting a little crazy, all the different beers that they were coming out with. And then you know, some of the names were, you know, kind of out there, but uh, <laughs> it'll be much easier to have just like um, corruption, chili pepper, cor- corruption, maple, that kind right. of stuff. Um, but there, there's some fun stuff. I, I, you should talk to them. Cause I, um, they showed me some labels. I, I wonder if they are going to be able to release them. But uh, it, uh, if they could, it'd be, it'd be, it'd be fun. It'd be yeah, fun. I need to get back down there. I, I, I was down there. Uh, we did a show with, uh, with operatives with uh, Tom and Carla mm-hmm. at Wooden Cask. Oh, and nice. Didn't really get a chance to sit down and talk to, uh, to anybody at Wooden Cask. While First we were there, brewery but. we signed, still sell them today. Still going to sell them at the new, with a new entity. Uh, grew them every single year. Um, Barrel-aged stuff is, is really a big part of that. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's, I think it's, it's probably, uh, I, I could be completely wrong. I think it was a different side of what wooden cask is than I mm-hmm. think Randy probably uh, anticipated when he got into it. I know uh, Yorkshire was probably. <laughs> if we could get Yorkshire Nitro 16 ounce cans and have it, have it, uh, you know, have it sponsored by, you know, one of the local, uh, one of the local club, uh, like, uh, sports clubs, I think they'd be fantastic. Can you imagine just sitting in? Oh, yeah, that's Yorkshire but, was great. I used to love that beer in the summer. You just get Yorkshire Nitro. It just was like nothing else. It was like absolutely nothing else. <laughs> it's, uh, but I mean, like that when when Wooden Cask started, mm-hmm. that was kind of how I would have described them. Was mm-hmm. Yorkshire. If you ask me to describe them now, like it's almost a hundred percent something like this. Mm-hmm. Like these big barrel aged beers that drink really easy that you know kind of sneak up on you that um are uh, still beer forward instead of letting the barrel kind of consume the yeah. beer uh, it's, that's what I mean. it's just because that stuff sells a lot better than yorkshire no i get it i get it <laughs> and, and, but it, it, and it's fantastic i mean there really there really is a demand for that kind of stuff and I think we're going to see them do even more stuff. I feel like barrel-aged stuff, everyone gets so precious about it. But I, maybe just because they got a good... I mean, you should talk to them about it. But I, I don't know. They just they just do barrel-aged beer all the time. It is, a, it is a very different approach to barrel-aged beer. You know, mm-hmm. when you look at uh, some of the other bigger breweries around that do barrel-aged beer releases, it's these big, you know, 22-ounce bombers. And we do these big kind of special releases for it. And then it gets this event and it becomes about all this other stuff around it. And like with wooden caskets, like, no, yeah, we, we just all the time, like just mm-hmm. whatever, whenever you come down here, there's I, something I, I barrel aged on bad. the way they do it because they're getting fresh barrels. They don't leave them in there that long. It's, so it's about four months is usually what they're doing. And Randy was talking about it on this show. 
um, you know, it's so they, they don't get that oak quality. Yeah. And so it's, you're just getting the bourbon is working. And there's still going to be some oak, obviously, but it's not going to be, you're not going to get, um, I, I think that that, that is proven pretty, I don't know. I love it. It's absolutely, it's great for our business. I like to drink them. Um, Snowbird, I think is my favorite that they've done in a long time. And Backsetter was another good one before they switched to cans that I really liked. But, um, well, I'll have to see. I can't wait to see what they're going to do next. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm excited. I'm always excited about them and what they do. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. What gets you excited? Like, when you wake up tomorrow, mm-hmm. like, what gets you excited about craft beer? I mean, I like our our brands are great. And our customers are, are still excited. I was doing sales calls uh, for a rep on Wednesday. Uh, or, sorry, Tuesday. Um it's fun to still go out there and talk about beer. Um, so I guess would say the people and, you know, our breweries and some of the other great breweries out there. Um, I will say, you know, um, there isn't, I can see why people are worried about the future of craft beer. And I think a lot of it comes from when you look at a lot of the craft breweries out there, it's, you know, I don't know how, how much you, how honest you want me to be about this, but <laughs> it, it looks pretty grim, you know, like in, I, I can't I can't tell you how bored I am of I think I talked about it last time too, but like the the proliferation of tap rooms seems to only be getting worse. And I don't right. see I mean we've talked about it. Like the first time you go into a place and you're like, wait, you make the beer here? Now it's like you go into a place and like, wait, you don't make the beer here? Yeah. You know? Like <laughs> it's I, just like what, yeah, it's, it's hard to I went in one that was out of town on Wednesday. And um you go in there and it's like this is not a bad space. The beer is not bad, you know. Seems like people are having fun, but it's like, why? Why would we call this a tap room? Why? Why is there only one brewery? <laughs> right. On it's just a bar that has only one brewery on on tap. I don't, and which I don't know. I don't know that from my perspective, that's a bad thing. Like, I don't what know, do you mean? like, I don't know that like there's, there's a lot of bars. There yeah, I, mean, still, and look, I mean, this is something that happens in Europe. It's incredibly common. There are a ton of bars around Cincinnati and I, mm-hmm. I, I, I love a lot of them. Like I love bars. I love bar culture. I love, I love, I love drinking culture. Uh, I don't know that having a bar that only serves one beer is a bad thing. Interesting. Um, but at the same time, I think the confusion around what that is, is bad. Right. I think that, I saw the news that I was, I was reading like an actual, like, like a, like a, like a news source mm-hmm. that was talking about high wire opening up and like three times in there called it a brewery. Well, like legally it is uh, legally. <laughs> and, 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 I'm, and that opens up a whole other can of worms mm-hmm. of yes, technically at least once a year, they have to make some beer there the same way that brew dog mm-hmm. has to, the same way that when platform was open, they have to like, yeah, I, I get it. Not sure if they really. None of them are. That. None of them are. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and maybe Highwire will prove me wrong and eventually make some beer in there, but they're not. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that like that's strange. That part is strange to me. Like this yes. compute. Like it's they are using the idea, and I love Highwire, and this is not to call them out, but it's it's using the idea of craft beer and this idea of having a brewery, right? against consumers and like, and getting them in because, Hey, this because, is I mean, it's true because it's not just a legal fiction that they're creating. It's also a marketing fiction that they're creating. And yes. even, even if, even if, if you ask people in there who went there to go to highway, like, Oh yeah, I don't, I, I, I wouldn't expect them to make the beer here. I mean, again, we used to assume 15 years ago 
that the brewing equipment was decoration. You know right. what I mean? Right. Like, right. I remember going to Rock Bottom. I was like, do you guys use this stuff? I'm like, yeah, what the fuck else? Why else would we have it here? <laughs> but uh, then yeah. that's at BJ's, there yeah. is a tank, and it's, it's never used well, for you can beer. Tell, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, so I think that, you know, we, we talk, I think you had, um, you, you talked a little bit about profit and stuff, how that's a dirty word, um, in beer. And then, you know, Bobby was talking about value, right? Or yeah. sorry, he was talking about, um, opportunity, like to create opportunity for people. Yeah. And I think somewhere between there, I do think we should, ha- there should be, I mean, profit is a little bit of a dirty word, but it, you need it to run a business and opportunity is great. Um, creating opportunity for people is important, but I think at the end of the day, some of these places we have to kind of question their value for the greater scene, right? I mean, if, if it's like, yeah, we're going to make, we're going to make, we're going to make profit. We're going to make profit here. But I mean, the, the bottom line is, you know, you're going to take business from other craft beer businesses or you're going to fail. Yeah. And like, we have to decide like, is it worth it? Is that worth what it? Are, what are you? I guess we don't have to decide anything. We're not going to be able to decide. Well, we but have, I, mean, I think that's, we, no, we have to. Like that's yeah. that is it, at the end of the day, it is us as drinkers that are that are making that decision. Mm-hmm. If a new place opens up and nobody goes there, they're not going to be there for very long. Like we yeah. are the ones making that decision every time we go or and grab a drink. If they all open up and everyone goes to all of them. And that none of that's enough. <laughs> you know I, I mean, that's I the, don't, all I the don't, people who I don't worry know. about that at all. Like I think that there is plenty of drinking going around, <laughs> right? But I mean, like I mean, it, I, I don't think that. I mean, I think that if the pie isn't growing, and you, we know that. Like it's right. not, it's not a, not a debate. You can look at the production numbers and kind of you can look at the national um, trends and stuff like that. I mean, stuff is not growing, and um, new drinkers are not being created at a rate that right. are replacing drinkers who are shifting out. Right. So you're not taking, you're not creating any new drinkers when you open up a new tap room now. And especially, I mean, if you're not even bothering to make new beer there, there's, I mean, you're not doing anything except for saying, go to my place instead. Right. And I, I think that that to me, I just, I don't really know how long people can keep doing that. Cause I feel like in the middle of the last decade, the big trend was, well, we need to, you know, we're not profitable now, but hey, we're going to build production facilities. Right. We're going to scale, and then we're going to open up multiple states, and then we're going to then we're going to be profitable, and then that's going to work. Unfortunately, you had how many people do that in every single major city, and so okay, we can't be regional breweries anymore. Right. And so, you know, <laughs> so it's just like you know, not to go too far down here, but then it's just like now, okay, now we're going to be a chain brew pub. Is the idea that you're going to have several dozen chains of brew pubs in every city and people are going to go to all of them and they're not going to take from each other? I, I still think that there are, it, it, I mean, it, the, the Dan Lichterman quote from God knows mm-hmm. how long ago, if it's a, a, a forest of Bud Light drinkers out there that you're just walking into and you're trying to, 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 to log and trying to chop down the trees of, you know, the Bud Light drinkers. Like, I still think that's it. I still I think, I still think I, I don't, but, but, but we're not, that's not what's, that's how, just not what's happening though. Like, that's just not, that's not how, that's not the dynamic that, that is occurring. It isn't, but I, <laughs> but I, but I still think that is the, that's this lofty goal that people are still like envisioning when they think about how, we're supposed to keep growing this thing. Well, I, is, I, that might be the rationale at, the, at this point. I mean, but, I, I, mean I think no, if you're, I, yeah. I, I, I know that it is. I mean, right. you look at, you know, you know, Braxton taking, you know, garage beer and spinning off into a brand and you have, uh, you know, this, uh, democratization of craft beer that is how, like that, that's, that's the whole goal. Like that's what but, it I mean, is. No, I mean, like, but people still have... trying to figure out that way to 
get, I don't, but I mean, they, we, they, they get try those people. I like, I feel like that, that, that there's been efforts and it just hasn't been successful. Like, you know, the, the big thing for, you know, we're going to do, we're going to do light beer, lower price, 15 pack, 12 pack, that kind yeah. of thing. It didn't work. Like, right. I just, I just, to be honest, I mean, low-cal IPA, th- th- these things flopped. You know, it, you know the, the, the Beyond Beer <laughs> stuff. <laughs> just like, you know, the, 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 the flip side, you know, you've mm-hmm. got, like, Big Beer, you know, mm-hmm. you, uh, AB, uh, that is trying their version of it of, like, oh, you know, we're losing kind of, we're losing market share in, in our, our drinkers, so we're mm-hmm. going to buy craft breweries, right. and that's going to be... And that's also not working. Yeah, that's what, no, I mean, there, there <laughs> nobody, nobody knows what to do anymore. <laughs> well, I mean, I think, I mean, that's for individuals, it, it's a challenging road ahead. I mean, I think that you can kind of argue, you can sketch out paths where people can go, but then if you sketch out, you know, where, where they can go and how they can be successful. But I think when you sketch out all the paths, they're running into each other. And I think that's what you're looking at. Like, well, we're all going to open up two more tap rooms. 55 breweries are going to open up two new tap rooms. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? So yeah. we're going to have you know, 300 tap rooms in the Cincinnati area still making 200,000 barrels of beer. And that's going to somehow, it's going to, I mean, that's not going to affect, you know, customers, anything like that. I, I, you know, I look from my own drinking habits and like, I, I I spend a lot of time in, in, in just bars. Like I love, I love bars. It's this whole, whole thing. That's a whole nother story for a different show. But, um, when I go to a lot of the bars that I go to, Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there aren't a lot of craft beer options, right? And so I'm grabbing something that's probably macro. I'm right. grabbing a High Life, or I'm grabbing a PBR, or I'm grabbing like whatever it is. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm drinking. Like I, I would love for that to be a local craft beer, even if that meant that that bar was maybe replaced by something else. Right. I would rather just maybe. be replaced by a place maybe. that had slightly better craft beer selection. Yes. And just that way they wouldn't have to go into so much debt to open up. (laughs) (laughs) However, whatever that road means. (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean, I think, I think that's right. But I mean, I think that unfortunately right now we're looking at, you know, the the craft beer revolution is over and now we're kind of, uh, even though there is going to be changing, there is going to be, I mean, like you, people have been evangelized too. And we have the converts that we have now. And I think that there's a lot of, change within that group and i'm not saying people aren't going to come in and out um but they're it's not you're not going to see the kind of growth that we were seeing for a while i agree with that and i think that you know again what we have as adina found is that people are trading up from okay used to like a six pack of ipa now want a four pack of hazy ipa now want a four pack of double ipa that kind of thing um, that's something we saw hugely during the pandemic. It has lessened, but we still kind of have found that there is still a customer, just like in wine and in spirits. There's more than there's more than right. two price tiers in most most segments. So in craft beer, there finally is kind of some higher pricing tiers. There always was with like barrel aged beer and, and Belgian stuff, sure. but now that's kind of becoming a little more democratized. If you want to say there's more IPAs, you have, you have uh, other other you know the, the weird cereal stuff. Um, you know, but for, you know, for most individual breweries, I don't know if, you know, they're kind of running out of lives when it comes to things you can try. And, and unfortunately, I think that what, what makes sense for the individual brewery might not make sense for the industry as a whole, where I think if, if you have an over, you already have an oversaturation of breweries. And now if you have an oversaturation of retail locations, I mean, that's, 
that seems like a, that seems like a recipe for you know that is a bubble burst right. if if you have if you bankrupt yourself opening up new account new open up new locations whereas i mean i don't know what the alternative would, would be but i mean that's where i don't know if we have a model for for what happens when if that if that what if that kind of lifeline doesn't work right not, not to end <laughs> on that happy note. On that happy note. But on the other hand, like if you're talking about things that actually do excite me, I mean, there is still a lot of great beer out there. I think the craft beer itself, you know, we've kind of, well, I did say the revolution is over. There was, you know, there is a massive segment of people who are never going to drink crappy beer again. And um, well, I think that's yeah, something, whoever, whoever ends up providing that, I think, you know, we'll still, we'll still be able to get it. There are people that, you know, are, are coming of drinking age right now mm-hmm. that will never have to drink crappy beer. Like they yeah. just don't ever have to experience it. Like they just, that's not their existence. Yeah. We kind of had that though. I feel yeah, like we yeah, kind of, no, you had, I definitely, you had to work for it. I definitely had, I did. And I still yeah. do drink crappy beer from time to time, mm-hmm. but that's for different reasons. But, uh, uh you know, it, there are people now that just don't don't have to even think about it. Like if no. they don't, like they just don't, they don't even have to go to different breweries. Like it's like, oh no, I've got this place. It's close to me. That's my that, spot. That's where I go. Yeah, I mean, I have Gordo's right down the street. They have burgers and they have a great selection. They've always had a great selection of craft yeah. beer. I mean, you can get. I sometimes do just because it's fun. You yeah. can go in this little. It's not a dive bar. It's a nice uh, burger restaurant. It's kind of a, but it's kind of like an unassuming place, yeah. unpretentious. I used to have a Gordo's. They had one in Fairfield for a while. It was really, I didn't know awesome, that. Right by Jungle Gems. Oh. Oh my gosh. It's now my kid's pediatrician. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, I can have a chimay there and it's fun. You just have, you know, there's some college kids, mostly grad students and professors. Yeah. And um, it's just nice to just like, yep, I'm going to just have this nice Belgian beer. That's right. And a giant burger. And because I can, because I can do that. Yeah. And that, or, that's the kind of stuff, I mean, that's the kind of stuff that I think, you know, I, but I also like, I mean, I feel like that used to be, the, that used to be, Places like that used to be so much more involved in, in beer itself and, yeah. and kind of like doing, you know, doing events and stuff it like was, that. Because it was a big deal. It's yeah. like you guys are a craft beer account. Mm-hmm. Like you guys serve a lot of craft beer. This is, this is important. This is special. Now it's just expected. Like it's, it's the norm now. Like it's not if, the norm to have Chimay bottles. In a, no, but I mean but to, but to, to, can't to, get to, that to put some kind of a, no, you, eh. <laughs> You cannot you get sure? your Quatmans, I guarantee you. I was just at Quatmans, too. I love Quatmans. Yeah, Quatmans is great. Uh, Happy Halloween is my uh, my favorite Norway oh bar. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Let hey, me know next time you go hoodie. there. You can get a hoodie there. I didn't get a hoodie. I used to sell a hoodie there. <laughs> Long uh, time ago. Uh, there, you, you, you kind of uh, speak in past terms of Adina because mm-hmm. of kind of the, the fact that Adina is going away. Mm-hmm. Um, but I... I've, for what Adina is and what Adina has done here in Cincinnati, it, it's not the end of that story. No. Things are continuing to, 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 to grow and to, uh, um, uh, to become something, something new and something, uh, that I think will hopefully be even more exciting than it's been. And I'm excited. I think, I think it will, it really will be exciting. And I think we can, uh, we can definitely count on, 
a lot of great beers still coming in through through me and, and through through this team here. So I'm excited. Uh, thank you for hanging out with me. Thanks thank for you being for, part of this. Yeah, uh, thank this. you for giving me this exit interview. And, <laughs> it's not uh, an exit interview. <laughs> we, we, we will definitely Sorry. still talk again, even uh, even if it's uh, in a very different context and a different place. And <laughs> for sure, <laughs> we'll for see. sure. Uh, thank you very much. Thank for you. anybody who doesn't know about Adina, uh, hit them up on social media. Why? Why? Why the social why media accounts still are still there? Yeah, <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll, still, we'll still probably keep. We'll, we'll, it, won't, it won't be a mystery where to look for us. And it, we, we won't be. We won't be shy. Uh, you guys still have uh, swag available. Are there T-shirts people can buy to show their support after? No, we've never, are, we've never had. You don't have any, had anything. Any store, stickers? No. Nothing. No. Yeah. We have Man. stickers, but we All don't right. sell them. All right. Find, them find your local Adina rep the next time you see them at uh, your local account when you're there shopping, and tell them that you need a sticker because you need to. You need to be one of the OGs when uh, when this is all different. <laughs> so depressing to even think about, like the idea that it's it's okay. It's okay. It's good. It's good. This yeah. is this is this is good progress. <laughs> it really is. We will uh, we'll be back next week. I have no idea who we're talking to because uh, we are just jumping back into things. And Talking um, to Jim Cook from Boston Beer. <laughs> I, I, I wish. Uh, I don't know that that's the case. <laughs> uh, if you want to know more, make sure you're following on all of your favorite social media platforms, um, uh, Cincy Brewcast. Uh, the best way to support this show is to go to thegnarlygnome.com slash support. You can support monetarily there and you'll get like free swag and things like that like really cool stuff and um, I just know that uh, I appreciate all of you uh, share with a friend since broadcast it's uh, the voice of Sensicraft. I can't get the timing on the new music yet <laughs> <laughs>